how do you price an ad on your channel? That's probably the most common question we get from other creators. And it was the biggest question we had when we first started on YouTube. So we're hosting a live workshop on how to price yourself. This is everything that we've learned in the past 13 years of being on YouTube and our simple three-step process that'll help you develop concrete pricing. So if you wanna join us for this live session, just go to colinandsamir.com slash live. Enter your email and you'll get all the information about our live event on May 9th. All right, hope you enjoy this episode of The Colin and Samir Show. What's up, podcast listeners? Welcome to this episode of Creator Support. On today's episode, we're talking about YouTube's latest AI announcements and what they mean for creators. We also talk about what you should do if your viewership starts to decline and you don't know why. And we recap some of our favorite videos of the year. All right, if you make it to the deep end, let us know. We just hopped off the plane at LAX with a dream and a card again. A dream? <laughs> oh, 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 oh. I just, once I said that, I was like, wait a second, those are song lyrics. So, hopped off the plane at LAX. Yeah. We're talking Miley Cyrus. Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, I got nervous for a sec that I didn't know that song, because I knew I knew it, but like... Wow, man, thank ooh. God you haven't been on Trackstar. I was just thinking that. Yeah, that... Trackstar is Jack Coyne's uh, show in New York where he asks you to name the artist and you win five bucks. Um, I went on the show. I thought I did pretty well, but I don't even know if those are the lyrics. Let's just get into the show, huh? Okay. So, um, yeah, we got off the plane. <laughs> we just got off the plane. Uh, it's later at night. We've come to the studio, and it's been a bit of a whirlwind. We were in San Francisco at APEC. The Asia Pacific Economic Cooperation Conference, I think, uh, are, are the words in there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we had a really cool experience. We got to go uh, to APEC in San Francisco and speak uh, with YouTube. We got to do a panel with Neil Mohan, the CEO of YouTube. Uh, we also got to speak about our journey and talk about the potential um, for economic impact that content creators can have. And I thought it was a really cool experience to... Like it was, it was a pretty surreal experience to tell our story to that room of people, to like government uh, officials and and um, people who worked uh, all over the world in, in in government, and recognizing that as we were telling the story, I was like, "Wow, you know what? Like this is this is really crazy. We really did just have this idea, upload videos to this platform, and then actually." Uh, create jobs for ourselves as well as our team members. Like it, it was a very surreal experience to be telling that story in that room and recognize like 12, 12 years ago when we uploaded a video, it's like, this didn't have to work. It's pretty amazing that it worked. Yeah. It was a cool opportunity to explain to people who don't necessarily know fully what the creator economy is, uh, to explain to them what it is and the type of economic impact that it can have on people in their countries. And we really just tried to kind of demystify it and try and get people not necessarily to see all of us creators as content creators, but more as like founders, entrepreneurs, people building businesses. I think that's something that they can kind of latch on to. It just so happens that media and creating video is a huge part of what we all do. Yeah, and it felt like at the conference in general, AI was a big subject matter. I think that like in 2023, when we look back, AI is is the topic of this year. It's been a, a massive leap this year from, you know, early in January, we were like, oh, 
ChatGPT, that's pretty cool. Yeah, we're like, this is interesting. This it'll, is interesting. You can ask it. Like, it's a chatbot. It'll talk back to you. Yeah, tell you, you some can cool ask it some questions and it'll say something back. Uh, and then you go all of a sudden, and, and here we are, you know, using AI in more ways than we could have imagined and, and seeing the use of AI in more ways than we could have imagined. So the questions, um, there was something that Neil said that I really enjoyed when we were we were talking to him on the panel. He talked about like, uh, like whatever country you're in or whatever platform you're on, like you, you obey the, the rules of the road. And I actually thought that was really good framework to just suggest like it's, it's now on the platforms and, and the countries as well to recognize like, what are the rules of the road? Like, how do you play by the rules on these platforms specifically when it comes to AI and AI generated content? And so this week, YouTube has actually made two announcements when it comes to AI. And I think we should talk about those before we get into questions. Sure. So yeah, to, to that point of rules of the road, the idea there was that, you know, if something is against YouTube's terms of service, if it's a deep fake that's meant to deceive and do harm in some sort of way, whether it's a deep fake or not, it's against YouTube's terms Meaning of service. Meaning whether it's uh, made by AI or not. Yeah, whether yeah. it's made by AI or not. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the the same rules of the road apply and it's up to, you know, YouTube and uh, to figure out what the solution is, and they came forward and started to announce some solutions. The first of which is that they're uh, requiring creators to label realistic AI-generated content uh, if it's a part of their video. So really putting the responsibility on behalf of the creators to uh, make sure we declare if something is AI-generated. So not so dissimilar from like how it says paid programming, right? Like that, that was something that came about a couple of years ago where if you're doing a brand deal, um, they ask you to self-identify it and say, yes, there is paid promotion in this episode. And then a box comes up so that the audience knows that this episode contains paid promotion. Um, essentially, this will look almost identical to that. It's that, you know, that kind of like black opaque box um, and it says, it says altered or synthetic content. Yeah. And this is something that, you know, I spoke to Quebelcop about a month ago and he's a creator who's, you know, completely transitioned on his channel from, you know, having himself in the videos to now it's a completely AI generated, uh, avatar version of himself that looks pretty photorealistic. The scripts are AI generated. It's pretty fascinating. And when I was speaking to him, he was telling me, look, the least that platforms can do is offer this type of solution as a start because it is very difficult right now. There's not a ton of technology that allows us to identify if something's been AI generated. That's something that I believe in the announcement YouTube put out that, that they are investing in, or I read it in a Verge article, that they're investing in it. And a lot of people are investing in tools to help identify if something has been generated with AI. But if we don't have that yet, we need to at least start with, you know, asking slash requiring creators to do it themselves. Yeah, it just it establishes one of the rules of the road, right? It's like here here is now a new rule, and if you break the rule, then you know there there, there could be consequences. There could be consequences could, for that. Could, the content could be taken down. It right. could be demonetized. Now uh, they did make a note that, um, you know, there will be exceptions in terms of satire and parody. So what's the, so you're saying parody and satire in AI generated content. So let's say something that we talked about with Kevin Alaka when it was president's play Minecraft, 
Remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Where you have um, Joe Biden, Donald Trump, and and Barack Obama's voices playing Minecraft and joking around with each other. It's obviously satire. Is yeah. that an example of like that's that's as long as it's labeled, that's fine. Yeah, I believe the the rules of the road apply there. Now, I know that as a creator, you can protect yourself by filling out a form and requesting a takedown if there is a deep fake. Oh, interesting. Okay, so now we talk about it from the creator side of like, you know, okay, making a funny video with with um, you know, like presidents play with with other voices in it. But now we think about it from our side, something that we've experienced is deep fakes of our voices on YouTube. So now for us, we file a claim. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Even if someone labels it as AI or photo, uh, or sorry, synthetic media, if it's us and we don't like it, then we need to file a manual claim. I believe so. Yes. Okay. Again, this is all very new. So uh, it, just know that we are reading this uh, in real time and learning about it in real time. So from what I understand, when it comes to music, the rules are a lot more strict and there won't be exceptions for things like parody and satire. Yeah. When there's AI generated music that mimics someone else's voice. Yeah. In The Verge, it says, um, "What I read it prior, there'd be no exceptions for things like parody and satire when it comes to AI generated music content from YouTube's partners that that mimics an artist's unique singing or rapping voice. Meaning Frank Sinatra singing The Killer's Mr. Brightside is likely an uphill battle if Universal Music Group decides they don't like it. Have you heard that one? Yeah, of course. Yeah. All those are like, they're so they're so fun to listen to, uh, but it's interesting how the labels will treat them. And I think there's probably no exceptions there because music is 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 a very... To me, the music business right now, it, it is a, it's a very scary place from the quality of AI-generated music that we've heard over the past year feels like it's probably some of the best quality creative. Like, we've seen people make really good stuff on Midjourney. Like, the photos have been really great. I haven't really seen great AI-generated video yet. I've seen good, like, deep fakes like we did with the HeyGen um, changing languages. But music has been some of the most convincing. Yeah, definitely. And I think YouTube is being pretty strict about music because music is incredibly valuable to YouTube. Let can I, alone can I play this in its competition with TikTok. I mean that's just good fun though. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's just good fun. That's Frank Sinatra singing the killers. There you go. I mean, it's going to be fascinating to see uh, how, how this impacts the platform, but you're right. Music is incredibly important to YouTube. I, I don't know the stats on this. There's prob- they're probably out there, but the amount of music that's listened to on YouTube. And, and as we know, some of the biggest videos on the platform are music videos. And, you know, my dad uses, mu- uses YouTube primarily to listen to music. Mm-hmm. So music is a, is a very important piece of the puzzle for the platform. But that also leads us to the second AI announcement of the week, which is DreamTrack. Okay, so I watched a demo of DreamTrack uh, before it was announced, and my mind was blown. So this is an experiment in YouTube Shorts. 
where creators can generate music using AI and using the voices of right now seven artists. Charlie Puth, Charlie XCX. What? Did I say that wrong? <laughs> say, say it one more time. Charlie XCX. Okay. Did I say that right? I mean, listen, we'll, we'll let the community yeah. decide. Okay. Demi Lovato, John Legend, Sia, T-Pain, and Troy Sivan. Now, the these way- are these are huge artists, by the way. This eh? is not like this is this is pretty wild to me. So here's how it works: you type in an idea, and a, or, or or a prompt, like a song about cleaning my house, and then you select the artist's voice, and you will get a thirty second original song. I heard one for Charlie Puth, and it was incredibly convincing. Whoa. And I just, it was, um, I immediately, it was so bizarre because it sounded exactly like Charlie Puth, but it was about like cleaning up your room. <laughs> and I had like, it had just been generated in front of my eyes. Right. And I started to think about, okay, clearly for these seven artists, they're not afraid of giving up the sound of their voice here. They're probably interested in like the future of what this will all mean. You have to be. Obviously, there's a monetary component to being the first of these right. seven artists yeah. who are huge. So they got paid. But I'm like, wow, what's going to be the impact if this rolls out on a major scale? And Charlie Puth and all these different artists, John Legend, T-Pain, their likeness, their voice is incredibly available. Like, does their brand become saturated? Do they care that like, oh, here's a, here's a, uh, you know, Demi Lovato song about mowing the lawn and it's gone incredibly viral. And like, she's just like, well, yeah, look at that. Yeah. I, you know, what I, if she feels I, like that's not a part of her I, brand? For me, when I look at the seven artists, the one that sticks out is T-Pain. To me, that's like, that makes sense. That's like, I feel like T-Pain's at like the Shaq era of his career where he could like, he could just expand his brand to whatever, you know, like he's not on the come up. Okay. Tr- but but T-Pain of, is, is a, yeah. is a true artist. <laughs> Have you watched his NPR tiny desk concert? Yeah. T-Pain's amazing, but T-Pain, the brand I'm saying is like Shaq. Do you know what I'm saying? Would you say that to T-Pain if he was sitting <laughs> at the table right now? Yeah. Is he about to walk in? <laughs> yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome <laughs> T-Pain. But like Troy Sivan is, is, is on the come up right now. Um, not that Troy Sivan has not been around for a long time. Um, John Legend is like an incredibly established artist. Like th- this is this is a, a a very interesting group. How many times? How many times have we seen John Legend just in the wild? <laughs> yeah, just I don't know <laughs> what it is about John Legend and Shawn Mendes, but we end up in rooms with them. Like, and I'm not even saying it as like that we're with them. It's just we are somehow yeah in the same room. These aren't name drops. No, these aren't name like, drops. It's like we're at a restaurant and John Legend is yeah. at the table five tables down. I'm not saying like, oh, I hung out with my friend John and then Sean showed up and you're like, oh, what? But which that, John? that has happened once, which is crazy. So. No, yeah, but we don't know them really. No, no. Like, yeah. 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 Okay. All right. So this, um, th- this dream track thing is really fascinating. I'm not a hundred percent sure exactly how it's going to work, but from my understanding, it'll work somewhat similar to shorts monetization where there's a portion of it that's split with the label and the musician, and then a portion of it that creators get. I'm not a hundred percent sure how that's going to work, but essentially like we're going to be able to make custom songs in our shorts and then be able to monetize them in the shorts feed 
that is unbelievably significant in the world of um you know generative ai and also in the world of artist uh name image and likeness licensing this reminds me a lot of you know when napster came on the scene that's right yeah and there were there were some artists who were really obviously against it so streaming music for free over the internet and then eventually the music industry found a way to control it to monetize it and i think you know the music industry had to learn that lesson the hardest about keeping up with technology when it comes to how it's going to change the industry and it seems like in this instance this is another they see this as a huge leap forward mm -hmm. that could drastically change the music industry in ways we never even imagined and they're taking a leap of faith of like let's be first let's control it ourselves i mean look at this youtube's putting really strict rules around right. other people using someone else's voice no parody no satire no one else can do it but let's on behalf like working with the music industry let's control it so that it doesn't get out of hand yeah that, right I, yeah 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 totally I, I i think you know we're in the era of you kind of you have to you have to establish the frameworks and the rules and then you yeah you kind of like someone is going to roll this out like you'd have to imagine that um uh, TikTok is is working on it as well, yeah. right? And I say control it not with malintent. I say control it like on behalf of protecting the artists too. Yeah. Right? Because yeah, if you yeah, don't yeah. protect the artists, if you don't have systems in place and everyone's copying their voice and monetizing their their yeah. sound, then that's a that's a bad future. Right. For the music industry and for artists. So just just to recap, to give you a high level, you know, number one, um, AI generated content is going to have to be labeled moving forward. So uh, self-labeled by the creator. And then for us, if, if someone's using our name, image, and likeness without our permission and we want to take it down, we can file a claim to get it taken down on YouTube. Um, and then when you go over to the Dream Track uh, announcement, what we just talked about, uh, that is creators like ourselves uh, or whoever gets access to this tool being able to create custom tracks in shorts with specific artists' voice. Um, it's, it's, it's a really interesting time in AI, uh, Quebelkop, who, who, again, you spoke about and you spoke to, uh, tweeted this. He said, having to disclose on YouTube that you used AI to create content is great. It helps the space become more mature and in the future will be a label of safety and quality. It's really interesting though, because, you know, I, I, there's, I wonder what the line is for what you have to disclose when it comes to AI, because, Let's say you, 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 we've seen a lot of this of creators who you know have a background background and they extend the background with generative fill, and like that's not the real room, but they extended the background. Yeah, is that do we like is that altered by AI and synthetic content? Or what about scripts? Or what about scripts? Chad Hurley, Oof. founder of YouTube, yeah. uh, there was just an announcement that he has a new company now that helps will help creators build and write scripts for their videos. So if you have a script, if it's actually you saying the words, but the script is fully AI generated, do you have to disclose that? And how how would anyone how would anyone know? know? That's the the issue is if you don't self disclose, and it becomes more and more realistic over the next year. How how does anyone know? Yeah, I think it's just the first step in yeah what you know people in the industry believe the future could look like. 
you know, verification on videos that this is real. I think people know that that's what's needed. And now this is a first step. Obviously, the the evolution of this has to be towards having technology that identifies what was created with AI. How? You know, I mean, I listen, I, I don't know. I yeah. literally don't know the answer to that question. It feels overwhelming, uh, probably because we are very far away from that uh, side of, of creation. But uh, big steps in, in the AI story uh, this week. And I imagine as we get into 2024, it will just continue to be at the forefront of, of a lot of the conversations we're having around media distribution, media creation. Um, just, to, just to note, TikTok uh, did add a label for AI-generated content and said that users need to disclose when content is meant to look realistic and was made by AI. And Meta has said that all political advertisers need to disclose the use of AI in ads. Obviously, they want to get ahead of the election next year. I think everybody needs to get ahead of the election and put some frameworks and some rules in place and start testing them so that as you know, election time comes next year in the U.S., uh, you're not in a situation where there's a ton of misinformation going around, a ton of deep fakes, a ton of AI-generated content. So, yeah. I mean, look, if you guys have uh, thoughts on this, please let us know. Um, we, we do read a lot of your uh, comments, whether they're in Discord or Twitter or even on Reddit, which I'm going to read one right now from you slash getting negative on Reddit said in regards to criticism in video comments in the creator support episode released today. So this is a, uh, no, I think two weeks ago, Colin and Samir touched on the best practice for haters and criticism in your comment section. I wanted to share some views on the subject based on the book, the mission of art by Alex Gray. In this book, he states once a piece of art is finished and hung up on a wall for people to view, it's no longer yours. That, that artwork now belongs to everyone you are free to let it go of any personal attachment. Criticism is not about you and your life, but about that person and their interpretation of the art. With the mindset, with this mindset, I find it easy to sort out the gems of proper critique from negative comments. So basically, I mean, this that's the high level. He writes a little bit more there. Um, but actually, I really love that. That feels very Rick Rubin to me. Feels very Rick Rubin. Yeah. They're... I mean, listen, it's written by Alex Gray, but but it's got hints of Rick it's Rubin. It's got hints of Rick Rubin in there, but I, I really do love that. It's harder to view your work on YouTube as hanging a piece of art on a wall because the difference is if you, the artist, are standing there and listening to people, <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot more challenging as the artist. Yeah. But I understand the sentiment here, and I, I really do love it. Yeah, I think I said this last week, but there is this element of once you put out your work, that's, that's the full story. For the audience right so if there was anything else you were thinking about uh you know if a mistake or a tough week led to a certain type of decision in the edit or anything all of that is not included the audience only has what is presented in front of them and they will make assumptions good and bad and you have to know that that yeah. they are filling in any any gray areas yeah with what they want to believe and that can be based off their life mm -hmm. you know so you have to take that into account well, one thing I want to add to this, there is a section in Creativity Inc. about the book about Pixar that we bring up often where Ed Catmull talks about it's important. He talks about how it's important to have the belief that you are not your ideas, mm. especially when you're in the building and creation process. When you're pitching ideas, you're pitching feedback to someone, it can often... I have taken it personally sometimes. Yeah. 
if, of course. if I make a suggestion for a change in one of our edits or I show a graphic design and you don't like it or the office doesn't like it, it's so easy to take that personally. But it's a good practice to yeah. not. Yeah. Because you are not your ideas. You're just trying something. Mm. Even if you tried really hard, <laughs> you're just trying something. You don't yeah. know. No one. It's all, it's like so subjective. It is very hard to remove yourself, especially when your channel name is your name and, you know, it's your face and you're the one delivering the message. It, it, it's very different. In, in Creativity Inc., they're talking about making animations with Pixar. And, and yes, those are their ideas playing out. But I do think YouTube is different in that you're sitting in front of the camera. You're the one delivering the mm -hmm. idea to the audience. And when people don't like it, 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 there's more layers of your personal identity to go through than in, in other ideas. And your opportunity to adjust is only in the next work that you right, make. Right, right. There's no no looking back. So I do just want to note that um, on this, we just brought up three books. Uh, this book by Alex Gray, uh, Rick, Rub Rick Rubin's Creative Act, which we talk about a lot, and then Creativity Inc. And someone suggested a Colin and Samir book club. Uh, they made an interest form on the subreddit, <laughs> said, would anyone be interested in attending a book club where we read books uh, related to being a creator slash recommended by Colin and Smear and their guests. I think it'd be a great way to get to know each other and creators from even more of a community around being a Colin and Smear fan. That sounds awesome. Should we make a, like, what if we made a book club channel in the Discord? I'm all in. Th that Let's would be it. so cool. We make, like, a, a, every month there's a new book and it's all related to stuff that, like, has really uh, inspired us or even stuff that we want to read. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I'm just smiling right now because I'm thinking about a stand-up bit from Nate Bargazzi, or how do you say his name? Bargetzi? Try Charlie XCX again, and then let's go. go <laughs> yeah, someone today. else yeah. may know who I'm talking about. <laughs> but he has a stand-up bit that I watched this weekend about, just about reading. Uh -huh. And, you know, I can't, I'm not going to say the joke because okay. I don't remember the joke fully, but it was just the sentiment of, like, how difficult reading is. And when you, like, turn a page and there's so many words and you're like, <laughs> Just give me an effing yeah, break. Yeah. Like, like, just give me a second to breathe. <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, I do that with chapters. Sometimes I'll like flip to see how many pages and I'll yeah. be like, I'll, I'll literally get so overwhelmed. I'll be like, you got to be kidding me right yeah. now. Like there's 17 more pages in this. Or you're trying to flip to see where the end of the chapter yeah, is. Yeah. And it's a, it's a few more pages than you would like. That's what I'm saying. It's like yeah. eight pages. Ugh, worst. And you're like, ugh. Um, okay. This question comes from Morgan. In the Discord, my socials are flopping after years of successful income. I've been an influencer on TikTok and Instagram since 2020. 500K on TikTok and 100K on Instagram. It's been my full-time job since January 2021. But these past six months or so, I've noticed a very sudden decline in engagement and in job offerings. And it's scary. I know I just have to get another job at some point if I can't make enough money, but I'm feeling like I failed myself because I was so successful at one point and now I just can't seem to reach an audience like I used to. I've always made relatively the same content and don't feel like I've made any sudden changes, which is why I'm so confused as to the drop in views. I guess I'm looking for advice or to hear anyone else's experiences. Thanks. I do want to acknowledge that that is scary. I appreciate you sharing that, especially if you can't comprehend or fully understand why it's happening, you know, and it's your full-time job and I'm sure you even, you enjoy it. So an interesting thing is it became her for her full-time job in January of 2021, which probably means that the pandemic as it was for a lot of creators was a huge accelerant mm. for her because 
there was a really huge demand for creators and for video because everyone had a ton of available time on their hands and a lot of people came and offered the supply and like a lot of people now have careers because of that time and we're now in a point where I think things have leveled out a little bit the mm -hmm. supply in terms of like supply and demand mm -hmm. for content mm -hmm. and even there are factors of even just the fact that entertainment concerts going out like physical events things are just obviously like fully in flux and sometimes that can be part of of the dynamic that you know audience behavior can change platforms can change just because of like what's happening in the world yeah i mean what you're talking about is like um the total amount of available attention mm -hmm. of your audience and, and i'm saying of your specific audience so Everything that we all, we, you and I, everything we do and every piece of advice we give to any creator, like we spoke at USC recently and we gave the same advice. Number one is always going to be who is your audience? So who's it for? And then the second question is why do they watch? So who's it for? Why do they watch? Audience and value. Now, if that audience is watching you strictly for entertainment, then you're in a situation where if they can get entertained somewhere else, you're competing with that. And like you're saying, as more available entertainment started to come about in 2021 and 2022, now you're in a situation where you are competing with serious entertainment. And that entertainment might even be like a friend wanting to go out to dinner. It might be, it's just wherever their attention is going. And that's where you have to now go to that second piece, which is value. Entertainment does have value to it, of course, but when you think about like exactly why, why are they watching you? Why are they looking at your stuff? If they can get that value somewhere else, then you might be in a situation where something like this could happen. And you're also got to zoom out and explore that platforms change. One line that's really important in what you said was um, you've been making relatively the same content. That might work depending on the platform. But I assume on TikTok and Instagram, that's that's not really going to work unless you like nailed a format like we talked about Jack Coins track star, right? Which is like right now that format is hitting. Um so either you have a format, but if you're if you're making like just kind of generally the same lifestyle content, you're you're going to fall out of um a term that that we use which is content market fit. We talk about it's got to be what you want to make, what the audience wants and needs and what the platform wants. And if all three of those boxes are checked, then you're, you're gonna be in a good place. But those are like constantly moving. And you kind of have to adjust each one of those at all times. You always have to make sure it's what you wanna watch. You always have to make sure that you're providing value to the audience. And then you always have to make sure that uh, it's what the platform needs at that time. And I think short form vertical platforms are a moving target, like a big moving target. I think you have to, as you're catching steam as a content creator, start thinking about how are you transitioning this audience into, um, let's say, a newsletter like we have, um, or into a um, Discord server, or into, um, you know, even on Instagram, they have those broadcast channels, something like that, where you can actually have a deep relationship with that audience. I think it's so incredibly important for the next chapter of the creator economy and, and creators to really recognize, like, how do I build depth? with this audience? How do I provide value that only I can provide? 
I totally agree with that. I also think when it comes to, you know, some of that fear of, I know I'm going to have to get a job if this doesn't work. I would also go into that experience if you do go and get a job with the confidence that most likely a job will take away that stress. It will free up mental space to then start experimenting again. Yeah, it's a good point. And trying to find new formats. You know, trying to find the next version of of who you are as a creator and, and if there's a match there from a business perspective. So sometimes I, I say this often, but I think sometimes getting a job is the best way to become a professional creator. Yeah, I felt like my my suggestion just, um, you know, just in reading this was like, go get a job, but doing doing creative work, like learn, learn at a lower stakes um, environment. Like, I'm not saying your job is a low stakes environment. I'm saying what Colin said that you you then now have offset your your income so that you can experiment and hopefully you get a job doing something in social so you can start to learn new things where you you get to play around with something that's not your brand. It's really hard to look at your own brand. It's a lot easier to look at something else. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I love this question from Valentin, aka No Robot Yet. Um, he said, "What's been your favorite video of 2023?" It's hard to believe it's the holiday season already. It's Thanksgiving next week here in the U.S. Um, what were your favorite videos this year? One highlight for me was definitely the Tim Ferriss conversation with the boys. That's awesome. Thank you, man. I, that was honestly a huge highlight for me to just experience that conversation. Um, I think if I'm to think about YouTube this year, I think my favorite videos were made by the Sticks guys. Mm-hmm. Brothers, right? Sticks. I think so. Brothers. We're going to go with brothers. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Sticks, if you haven't watched this YouTube channel, Sticks, they make movies out of uh, YouTubers' lives. And they've used a lot of our podcasts uh, and our episodes in uh, some of the stuff that they do, where they like pull stories from from um, the different creators. And they're just, they're bringing like a sense of filmmaking and just something so fresh and new uh, that I hadn't seen on the platform before and that I just absolutely loved. So I think you know, my favorite videos have been theirs. Uh, and, and maybe if I'm to pinpoint one, I think the Ryan Trahan, uh, sticks film, like if Ryan Trahan's life was a movie was, was my favorite one. I know we've been mentioning his name a lot, but Colt Gerwin's video. Oh no. Yeah. We were getting slammed in our own office I know. on how much we I mentioned like Colt Gerwin. Put money in a jar every yeah, time. Every time you say Colt Gerwin and Colt. Rick Rubin. Yeah, seriously. Um, but, yeah, that, that video that took off for him uh, moving to New York City. Or no, that video that took off. <laughs> sorry. Listen, I'm editing this one, so I'm yeah. not cutting that out. Colin. Great. Leave it in. Yeah. Leave it in. It's who I am. <laughs> that video that took off this year uh, titled, I Actually Chased My Dreams for One Year. Hold on. The title keeps going. This is what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to pull it up. Come on, um, Colt. Give us 52 characters, man. Yeah. That video for me... It was super aspirational in sort of a strange way because when we, you know, went off uh, on the journey of starting this channel, Colin and Samir, in 2016, I really thought we were going to be these uh, creative lifestyle sort of vloggers mm-hmm. uh, in a way that Colt is. So it was super enjoyable for me to watch that video. I've All right, Colin, multiple times. We have we have arrived. We're in the deep end. Yeah, I think once I start messing up and you leave it in, 
Yeah. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, and, I'm, and I'm drowning. We're in the deep end. I know I'm in the deep end. And I think you should share a gripe. And I think you should share a gripe about your experience working out this week. <laughs> Yeah, okay. I'll get I'll get vulnerable <laughs> with everyone at the tail end here. So, I went to uh, Soul Cycle here in Los Angeles and that's a spin studio. A spin studio. Group group fitness class, spin studio. Group fitness, it's really dark in there. The music is loud and you feel like you're in your own world. You feel like no one can see you when you're working out. And it's a 45-minute class about 10 minutes in the music kind of gets quiet and the the instructor says if you're not breathing hard right now you're not working hard enough Mm -hmm. and i was like okay okay like i don't cool got it then she follows up and says hey colin and then my head goes up i'm like oh whoa why'd she say my name she's like i'm gonna need at least a spin and a half from you (laughs) which means that She's asking me to crank up the intensity of my ride. So you weren't you weren't working hard enough. I wasn't working hard yeah. enough. She singled yeah, yeah. me out. Right. <laughs> in the whole class. <laughs> and she doesn't I was the first class I've ever ever been to. Did you did you spin? Yeah, I sp- spun <laughs> my heart out, man. I went so hard. I thought I was going to pass out because I didn't know. I was like, is she reading my metrics? Yeah, like, does the, she know what yeah, I'm? Yeah, she knows. She does know. Or she was just looking and you were just dazing off and yeah. not doing it. Yeah. I couldn't yeah. believe it. I mean, that's tough. And it, that's like getting in trouble uh, in, in class. I was demoralized. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. So that's a good gripe. Yeah. But you know what? Actually, it was a delight because I needed it. Yeah. You needed it. I, I didn't want to go through that whole class not working hard and she caught me. Yeah, and this morning, Colin wore a, a sleeveless shirt uh, after the gym for us to go get coffee, and someone in the lobby was like, hey, man, looks like you just got a great workout. Yeah. And he, I was like, well, okay, you redeemed yourself there, I guess. No, I think he just felt <laughs> obligated to acknowledge that I had no sleeves. <laughs> and by the way, at APAC, everyone was in suits. He was and, in a suit? Yeah, he was in a suit. We went downstairs, and we were uh, just and in I was full gym clothes. And with no Colin sleeves. Colin was no sleeves on. <laughs> My hair was all crazy. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of Creator Support. Tell us what you think about these AI announcements. What does this mean for the future of YouTube? And if you have questions for us, you can join our Discord. You can post on our subreddit. If you have thoughts, you can tweet them at us. Make sure you subscribe to our newsletter, The Published Press. And we have some great interviews coming up to end out this year. Can't wait for you guys to listen. All right. See ya.